Good morning, church. Welcome to those of you far and near. One of the unexpected pleasures of worshiping online is this reality that um, we're, we're bigger than just this little sanctuary. And over the last week, as Pastor Julie has reached out to many of you virtual worshipers, she's heard these great stories back from you. Oh, I was invited by my sister to join you on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock, or my friends in Colorado, shout out to John and Don Cook, hello there guys, um, they invited me to, to tune in and, and be part of you. So thank you. We know that there are other things you could do on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, and we're grateful that you're here. And can I just say, how amazing is technology, right? That we have this space, this created space that's weirdly intimate, even though we're thousands of miles apart. So that's cool. LaSalle is a place where you can come as you are, and as we've said, stay where you are. And as we look at in this post-Easter, encounter the risen Christ right there in that lazy boy or on that sofa. The community of faith is all around you, right where you're seated. Throughout the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at these stories of how these earliest believers realized that Jesus was with them. While they were out fishing, while they were gathering for dinner, in the middle of uh, heated strategic conversations, and while they walked the dirt roads, kicking the proverbial cans, it seemed like there was nowhere they could go that Jesus wasn't there. There was no place that they could be that they didn't risk a chance encounter with the risen Savior. And wow, that's some seriously good news right now, isn't it? We're calling this series our new normal. Normal, you know, normal that there's no flour or thermometers or toilet paper in grocery shelves. Normal that we flinch from others when even when we're standing six feet apart, we hurriedly grab the things that are on the shelves and get out the door. Normal that we can't touch anyone other than the ones or the one that we've been quarantined with. Normal that parents have become math experts and skateboarding is now an indoor sport. And birthday greetings are done as drive-bys Thursday of this week, from a good safe distance of 10 feet, I officiated the marriage of a couple who are both in high-risk professions. They had received a fast-pass license from Cook County due to the extenuating circumstances of their work. So with mass and gloves, the three of us gathered outside Madonna della Strada up in Rogers Park, and I hollered the vows to them. Do you promise to love and honor and cherish one another till death do you part? And those vows today took on an added significance. As they had already lost clients to the COVID virus, they have co-workers sick with it. And in the case of one, she leaves her work at a nursing home, sometimes to find ambulances four deep, lined up to take people to the hospital. Do you promise to love one another till the sun 
has set upon your life? Do you promise to cherish one another till breath is no more? Our new normal. Where we recognize we are more closely tied together than ever before, even while we remain further apart than we've ever been. We wouldn't have chosen this, and neither would the disciples have chosen the world that they found themselves in in our text today, which was read so powerfully by Jessica and Cliff. This is in Luke 24, if you want to read along in your Bibles at home. Verses 13 through 15, discouraged by the crucifixion, despondent at the loss of this renewal movement that they thought really had legs to it, confused by the stories of an empty tomb, and now this appearing ghost that seems to be willy-nilly, the earliest believers were decidedly in a world they would never have chosen for themselves. They had been forcefully kicked into a new normal. And in addition to the events that they name, underneath the stories that they tell, there is also this rising tension. And if you're a close reader, you can see it in the text pretty readily. There is a growing discord among this groups. Look at verse 10 and 11 from this chapter. The women, of course, are the only ones who have yet seen angels, at least initially. And they had brought that story back to the group of disciples. And as Luke records it, the witness of the women sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. Hmm. Well, fancy that. (laughs) Who would have thought, huh? (laughs) Well, women would have. (laughs) The witness of Jesus' mother being sidelined. Peter not believing them, but needing to see for himself, who busts it to the tomb, only not to be met by anything but an empty tomb. An entire week went by without at least Thomas seeing him. Others saw him, glimpsed him here and there. What is this? Is this Jesus appearing on a need-to-know basis? You know, I want to just put a pin into this line of questioning for just a moment, because If we had time, we could do a romp through the scriptures and see where time after time there are people in worlds they didn't want to be in. And if we look more closely, we would see that behind that story, it looks like God is the one stirring the pot. From the opening stories of Genesis, it's God who seems to favor Abel's offering over that of his brother's Cain's. It's God who seems to be orchestrating a leadership change from Moses to Joshua on the very edge of the promised land. It's God who seems to favor the young upstarts of Jacob or Joseph or David over the more esteemed brothers. It's God who seems to upend the evil of the Persian king Xerxes' reign through the young girl, Esther. And only after Esther joins the king's harem. We don't have time. (laughs) Or 
actually, maybe we do have time, but we don't have time right now. But some of you know, this is a pervasive theme throughout Scripture that people are forcefully thrust into worlds and situations and contexts and encounters that they didn't voluntarily seek, they don't want, and they would have done anything to avoid. And it's in those crucibles where character is formed, sometimes to spectacular failure. Samson succumbs to his selfishness, Saul to his pride. But at other moments, faith is lighted and they come alive. Sometimes, sometimes there's magic, there's glory. And this harem girl, Esther, she rises from being this frightened reed, taking dictation from her uncle Mordecai to a woman strong and confident and brave. And a shepherd boy grasps his stones and does the unthinkable and brings down the fiercest of opponents. Or a people group an entire nation rise up to their captors and they walk to freedom. Luke 24, verse 15, into this world neither sought nor desired, Jesus appears. But of course they do not recognize him. <laughs> Luke ascribes this to God. God kept them from recognizing him. And I've wondered, is that because in part, he had to say it was God, because in part, it's not very cool for these earliest martyrs of the faith to not even recognize the risen Lord when he shows up. They believe Jesus is just this random stranger, a random guy. Kind, but kind of clueless, they think. You must be the only one who doesn't know know what? Jesus responds. Dang. They've been talking for hours. We've been told that. Intense conversations. And Jesus has him tell it all again. This time to him. Several church staff have been making calls. Yeah, those old-fashioned phone calls. Remember that, right? When you actually picked up the phone? They've been making them to every member and regular attender. And during a staff meeting this week, Pastor Randall recounted reaching one of our seniors. He is perhaps our oldest member-wise, anyway, our oldest um, member here. He is faithful and he is constant. And it had taken a few weeks for Pastor Randall to reach this gentleman. So when the man answered, Pastor Randall immediately introduced himself. Hello, sir. This is Pastor Randall from LaSalle Street Church. I'm calling to just check in on you and see if there's anything we can do for you. The man greeted it warmly, greeted him warmly. And for the next several minutes, they talked at length. Until at some point, the man stopped and said, now, please, tell me again, just who are you? <laughs> he hadn't recognized Randall's voice. He hadn't locked in on the name. 
this gentleman who is sat right in the back of the church and has greeted Pastor Randall faithfully, weekly, for years, every single Sunday, hadn't recognized him specifically. But he had recognized something. He recognized something that had kept him talking energetically for several minutes. No, the senior hadn't connected the voice and the name and, and the message, but he had recognized concern and compassion and kindness and intention and love. He had recognized that. Jesus walked with them. He had him retell the story of loss to him. Retell the story of confusion, of ambiguity, of feeling left out, of feeling let down, of feeling the world has changed underneath our feet. He had them tell the whole story to him. And while they, while they didn't recognize just who he was clearly, their hearts burned. Before they even knew what it fully meant, before they even knew how it was all happening, their hearts recognized love. That's a beautiful little detail, isn't it, that survived in that text? For 2,000 years, we've been telling the story. The story of the burning hearts. The story of believers who, before they knew who Jesus was, before they understood what it all meant, when Jesus is with us, when God's divine activity or presence or power or truth or grace or compassion or love or whatever name you want to give to it, when that thing, when that power, when that person intersects with our lives, don't our hearts burn within us? Our 6.30 meditation group... <clears throat> which, you know, I just pitch it every week, okay? 6.30 a.m. If you can make it, it's awesome, all right? We're reflecting on the writings of Howard Thurman. He's the man that Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King called his spiritual father. And the reading this week was this beautiful quote by him. Brooding over us and about us, even in the shadows of paradox, there is something more there is a strength beyond our strength, giving strength to our strength. There's a strength beyond us, a strength beyond our strength, giving our strength, strength. <laughs> oh man, that's what I reminded this wedding couple of. There is a strength, a power, the voice of life, the God of all, the Alpha and the Omega, brooding over us. Brooding over the stories we tell and the task we attempt. The same spirit who once brooded over the waters of creation is now brooding over you as you build this new life together in a world that is uncertain and volatile and complex and ambiguous. 
And one of the ways that you'll know that the Spirit is showing up, one of the ways you'll understand this, that this is love that, this is, that is present right now, that this is truth that is present right now, that this is God that's present right now. One of the ways you're going to know that is that your hearts will burn. Man, and faintly, so faintly, <laughs> you're going to start to hear that thing we just sang about. You're going to hear this echo of that far-off song that hails a new creation. You're going to start hearing that melody in your ears, and you will strain to hear the next verse. Sing to me the next verse. <laughs> Tell me the next line. And you'll want it so badly. Jesus knew this. You'll want it so badly. You're like a man who will sell everything he has to get this little pearl that's buried in this dried up field. You're going to be like that woman who scrubs her house from top to bottom to find the one lost coin. <laughs> oh man, you're not going to even recognize it clearly, but you will stay on the phone talking to a voice that is kind and true and good, even when you're not totally sure who it is. <laughs> Man, you'll know it in part because your heart will burn. And if you stay with it long enough, you may just realize you have been met by the living God, the risen Jesus, the source of all goodness and mercy. You know, in these last few weeks, my heart has burned several times. Maybe yours has too. Can I just say, whenever that happens, we got to pause. We've really got to stop, pause, lean in. There is something going on there, and it is for your ears to hear. Maybe that's an encounter, right? When Jesus is showing up. Maybe that's a moment when Jesus is inviting you, tell me this story. This story that's, that's causing your heart to burn, tell it to me right now. Tell me. I had that experience earlier this week when I saw that, that group of nurses stopping that small group of protesters in Denver, Colorado. This photo, this video caught something. Here are people risking their lives, begging us, the public, for caution, for personal restraint, asking us to think of our neighbors. Here are these silent witnesses standing against people screaming about their right to personal liberty, personal rights. Man, look, do we need to have a conversation about how we open up the economy? Of course. There are 21 million of us newly unemployed. But that protest was not that conversation. 
the quiet courage, the, the personal sacrifices these medical workers were doing and, and making, they, somehow they held up a mirror to the self-absorption that so easily tempts us, especially in scary times. My heart burned when I've noticed that these random protests, and especially the one in Michigan, were almost exclusively white people. I don't know, maybe that's true across the board, I don't know. But I do know that while I watched that in Lansing, Michigan, I thought Detroit has been decimated. And I know that what race you are and how much income you have and what zip code you live in are determiners for whether you're going to die of this disease. And yeah, it's complicated, I get that. <laughs> but this virus is highlighting some disparities in our system from which we cannot look away. Is your heart not burning? What these disciples knew only in part, what they understood only as a longing, a desire to have this man stay with them, became complete when Jesus agreed to go inside and at the dinner table offered bread. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them the food of God, the bread of life. And suddenly into that fog, that dim, who are you for real, suddenly into that full recognition broke through. And they understood. Wow. <laughs> it was Jesus all along. This man who had stood in their place. The one who had taken on their sin so that they could experience the freedom of forgiveness. The one who had saved them by showing them the way out of their fear and worry and greed and loss. The one who had embraced them just as they were. And invited them to live fully into the life of God. Within the hour, they were back on the road <laughs> to tell others. It's still happening, sisters and brothers. This encounter, these random meetings, this in the middle of discussing what's important turmoil, <laughs> when suddenly your heart burns with love and conviction and connectedness. With a sense that this clarity that you now have is part of your story too. Because that's how this ends, right? <laughs> that's how it ends. On the road, they're telling a story about some other actors. They're telling a story about what the chief priest did and what the crowds do. They were observers to this story on the road. That story was once at a distance to him, to them. But now, 
Jesus has made them witnesses. He has made them participants in the story. That story has now become their own. I will sing this song for the world. I will tell the story of meeting God to everyone I see. That story that made their hearts burn, changed them. And through that strength that's brooding over them, they went out in that power to change the world. May that be our story too. Today, we again have the invitation to share the story of Jesus through the gift of the Lord's table. We've done this before. Christians all around this globe are doing it in the same way we're doing it today. They're breaking bread. They're drinking the wine of Jesus. They're proclaiming his resurrection until he comes again. We'll do that too. So, sisters and brothers, while you hear this next song sung so beautifully by the amazing Harris family, go into your kitchen, go to your pantry, get some bread. Any bread will do. Get some wine or grape juice. Again, I probably think any beverage will do. I'm not totally confident, but I think yes. Get what you have on hand. Come back to the table. And in a few minutes, you'll meet me there and we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Amen.